0: And I can testify to the truth of the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and sustains those who are crushed in spirit. He has been close in a way I didn't know close could be.
1: Coming up now on First Person, Ron Hutchcraft talks about the sudden death of his wife, Karen. I'm Wayne Shepard. I invite you to stay tuned for this week's conversation. As always, centered on the stories of God at work in people's lives for their good and his glory. The interview with Ron will begin in just a moment. You may be a new listener to this program. If so, a special welcome to you. The past few years we've had hundreds of conversations, and they're all archived as podcasts on iTunes and on both our website, firstpersoninterview.com, and our smartphone or tablet app, First Person Interview. With the app, you can download programs and take them with you on the go. When you visit our website, FirstPersonInterview.com, don't forget to sign up for the free online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company, which tells more stories of God at work around the world. Just go to FirstPersonInterview.com. Ron Hutchcraft has been a friend for nearly 40 years, always upbeat as he proclaims Jesus and the Gospel to anyone he meets. Ron has recently had his share of heartache, but as you will hear, it has not dimmed his hope in Christ.
0: I'm being me when I'm telling people uh, what Jesus did on the cross for them. When I'm presenting the gospel, I'm like, this is what I'm on earth for. I always come home and say, honey, I was doing what I'm on earth for today. So that kind of gives you the overall. Actually, when I was a kid, we were the lost. Uh, we li- I lived in an apartment on the south side of Chicago. I didn't know who Jesus was till my baby brother died. Mm-hmm. And when my baby brother died, my dad decided that he should take the one boy he had left to church. He didn't go. He stayed, smoked a cigarette read his paper in the car out in front of the church. I came to Jesus. Then he did. Then my mom did. And so uh, we. I've always had a heart for the lost and mostly young people. I grew up cross-culturally. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. You can't grow up on the south side of Chicago and not grow up cross-culturally.
1: Then or now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that prepared me for what was going to be a lifetime of cross-cultural work and uh, the, the biggest cr- culture to cross is the American youth culture, just to communicate Christ to uh, over generations, the changing cultures. And over a period of time, what happened was, especially in the New York area, where we were for almost 30 years, where nobody knew what a chapter or a verse was, nobody knew any of our Christian words. If I used our Christian vocabulary, I got a blank stare. Nobody cared about sin, which is what Jesus died for. How am I going to do this? Uh, they knew they had no Christian context. They had no sense of violating any God's laws because they didn't know them. Where do you start with all of this? Yeah. Out of that came what I call non-religious evangelism. Some mm-hmm. people look at me like, oh, uh, how do you do that? <laughs> well, the fact is that that's where our whole country is today. They are now post-Christian. They, are, they really don't know anything much about the Bible. So by radio, uh, we started in the New York area with a program called A Word With You, which by To God's Glory is on over a thousand outlets in the u s. And now it's on in Mandarin. I'm very fluent in Mandarin now. What can I order at a Chinese restaurant? Come on. no. <laughs> thank you for Joseph Chen. Uh, and uh, and then Spanish and English and Hindi, the foremost spoken languages yeah. on earth. Uh, And then we do a lot through the Internet. Of course, now the largest congregation of lost people in the world Mm. uh, has been convened Mm -hmm. by the Internet. And and
1: it's the world's most powerful transmitter, too.
0: Well, and think of what Jesus said would happen before he came back. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Nobody in that time could have conceived how that could happen. You can't get that many people to get that many places. How How true. I believe that that prophecy of Jesus. He said, would proceed as coming back. is fulfilled through technology that only we know about in this generation. So we've got a team of millennials that I work with, I love, and we are just packaging the gospel every conceivable way to attract people to my Jesus. God surprised me later and took me to the most broken kids. And you know this, that after working in places like Harlem and the south side of Chicago and Patterson, New Jersey and Chinatown and rich kids, white kids, poor white kids. I never knew about Native American kids. I don't know how I missed them all those years. I was supposed to be a big youth expert. Yeah, Right. How could I not know about the most devastated, most broken, most unreached, most suicidal young people in all of this country? And when God took me to them 25 years ago, he broke my heart, and that has changed my life, and thank God, many of theirs.
1: I want to talk more about that, Ron. But one of the remarkable things is I, I know your children who are grown adults now. I've actually met some of your grandchildren, and I'm yeah. thinking of one in particular right mm-hmm. now that came to my office and sat down with me, and I thought, this is Ron Hutchcraft all over again. I mean, he has your heart. I you're, hope
0: you didn't tell him that. You're, you're, no, you're treated no, for depression. No, no, yeah. uh,
1: no okay. but his heart for for the lost and for young people. Well, I mean, it's true. Just, it, it just is a clone of you.
0: Uh, well, it's a clone of Jesus. He's got Jesus' heart, and um, it's interesting to hear him present the gospel uh, and how he trains others to present the gospel. And when he's when he's sharing Christ and even giving an invitation, I'll go man, this sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> where, where have I heard this before? Yeah. And uh, But you know, it's the dinner table thing. You grow up around something, and whatever it is, you start to absorb it. You don't even know you are. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. All of our grandchildren at, at different ages from now uh, 18 to 5 uh, all have a heart for Jesus, and the ones that are old enough to demonstrate it are serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. They're even counseling at some events that Jordan does. Yeah. And uh, our 13-year-old, uh, uh, now 14, I told her she couldn't turn 14, <laughs> our 14-year-old granddaughter, she counsels, leads girls to Christ. It to reminds me
1: of what John said, you know, I have no greater
0: joy no, than to know that my children greater walk. Yeah. No greater joy. That's right. right.
1: But there's been great sadness in the last uh, couple of years mm-hmm. as well, and we have to talk about this. Your wife Karen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it doesn't seem possible that Karen's in heaven, but she is.
0: Well, it's a great thing because uh, living the life that she lived, heaven's heaven's beautiful for everybody. Yeah, it's really good for her. <laughs> um, you know that Ron and Karen is one word. Hmm. Always has been. That's right. And yeah. the folks at at Moody, where you worked for so many years, all know. Karen and uh, she's the kind of person so full of life that it's virtually uh, impossible to imagine her gone. You can't. Right. Uh, the laugh that fills the room. Yeah.
1: When you walked into the studio today, I expect to see Karen. With yeah.
0: You. Yeah. That that's how it's always been until May sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. Uh, Karen and I have had the privilege of we we met at Moody, fell in love there, and girl from the Ozarks meets boy from the South Side of Chicago, and. Uh, and we uh, she has been a a ministry worker she's been a blessing to young women changing lives forever Uh, and we've co-founded three different pioneering ministries including the one in native america uh, to thousands of native american young women she has been known as Mama Hutch. That's her name can I, can I for her. Can I ask you some
1: questions about that? Because I, I yeah. haven't really had this conversation on first uh-huh. person with anyone who's gone through what you've gone through. And as yeah. listeners hear this, it's been just a year yeah. since Karen passed. So what went on in your heart and your mind? I mean, it was a shock, and it was a very yeah. sudden death.
0: Well, and I've taken a minute just to say how large she lived to understand the size of the loss. i received hundreds upon hundreds of tributes to her. They would say, She made me feel. And there was a way, I'm going to cry now. There's a way she made people feel. And uh, most, the more broken they were, the more that she made them feel. She cared. Um, and in Native America, uh, you know why they're called her mom. The day I lost my wife, hundreds of Native young people lost their mother. And mm-hmm. so, Uh, Just to give you the surroundings of it, Karen had had health issues, but she was doing very well. On May 1st of last year, our youngest son was ordained to the Christian ministry. Uh, That was a joyful day. On May 15th uh, of of last year, uh, our oldest grandchild, Jordan, graduated from high school as valedictorian with a very christ-honoring speech to a stadium full of people
1: yeah i saw the pictures on facebook and we we all celebrated that moment
0: and and karen was alive and and and, uh, and radiant and uh and i um i had to leave uh i had to leave for ohio right from the stadium and and uh so i wasn't home on the 16th but there were two graduations in 24 hours oh. jordan graduated from high school and uh, Karen graduated to to heaven, and, and Jordan's class they when they graduated they threw their hats into the air, and when Karen graduated she threw a dozen prescription bottles <laughs> into the air I think but she was healed. Uh, yeah, well, and uh, so there was no hint whatsoever. My uh, we sat in the bleachers and I said, "Honey, I love you." and uh, I need to go," and she said. And she was unusual, teary-eyed. Uh, I, we've said many goodbyes. I've traveled so much, and she uh, she looked at me and she just said, "She said I'm going to miss you a lot." And I said, "Oh, I said it won't be long," and I was wrong. On the scale of eternity, yeah, it won't you be were long. right in some ways. Yeah, it right. won't be long. Yeah. The next afternoon, I got a call, and she was gone at our home, and uh, with a heart attack. Now, I have done my life with one woman who could finish all my sentences. Who we had? There's only one person, and you know this with Becky, there's only one person you've done all of life with who knows all the same people, knows all the experiences, has walked through all the heartaches with you, uh, shares all the joys, been to the same places. You don't have to explain anything. You just say a word, and it's all there.
1: It's all turned upside down, isn't it? When they're gone.
0: Gone. There's nobody. And that's irreplaceable. You could say, well, so, there's nobody to take the place of that. So, And I, I realized that I was on a road that had no map, and I knew how to do life with Karen. I said, Lord, how do I do life without Karen? I have you. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have you. And um, there's a great promise in Isaiah forty-two sixteen. It says, I will lead the blind uh, in paths they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will t- turn the darkness to light before them. I will make the rough places smooth. I will not forsake them. Well, He has kept that promise, and uh, I began to journal. And I said, Lord, I don't. If I'm going to hurt this bad, and have a loss this great, I don't want to waste this grief. So please, whatever, however this works please make me more useful to you than I've ever been before through it. And I can testify to the truth of the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and sustains those who are crushed in spirit. He has been close in a way I didn't know close could be.
1: When we continue with Ron Hutchcraft, we'll hear about his ministry to Native Americans on Eagle's Wings. This program is supported each week by the Far East Broadcasting Company. And I'm Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. These first-person stories of God at work in people's lives always encourage me. And at FEBC, we want to encourage you even more with God's Word. Take a moment to sign up for our daily, online, 30-day devotional featuring stories and scripture. You can sign up easily at firstpersoninterview.com. Go there today, firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is my longtime friend, Ron Hutchcraft. Of Ron Hutchcraft Ministries on Eagle's Wings, which we'll talk about more in just a few moments. Ron, really is great to see you again. Have you right here sitting at the table with me is a very special experience.
0: <laughs> well, that is more special for me. Love you more. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> a few moments ago, we left off talking about your dear wife, Karen, who is with the Lord, died very suddenly a year ago. Um, I want to hear more of your heart about what you've learned. Uh, most of us have been through some sort of grief, but the person who loses a spouse of how many years?
0: Uh, Fifty-one years. Fifty-one we years We were of married marriage. when we were six. And it happens to no, a we yeah, No, we weren't no, married when we were no, six. No, 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 no. Uh,
1: talk about what you've learned of the Lord.
0: Uh, the promise that was a, m- a plaque on the wall becomes a life preserver, comes off the wall— and becomes all you have to hang on to and it is the truest truth in the world i felt like a little boy in the dark wandering around like i have no idea where i am and he has taken me and he has been leading me in the, the most intimate specific discernible easy to see oh i get oh i hear you ways there's several things that he's ways he's answered my prayer uh, to make me more useful to him he is he is uh, well, let's put it this way a broken heart is an open heart and when a heart is broken therefore it's open he can pour things into it that deep more deeply into a deeper place in you than it's ever gone before right. and so he has done that and open hearts open hearts hmm okay that's not double talk mm-hmm. but open an open heart opens a heart and Without me trying to make this a goal, God has simply made me more transparent than I've ever been before. Uh, People who've read my blogs and people who read and have heard me speak say, "Ron, there's something different." Uh, I'm sure
1: your own family has uh, yeah seen that modeled and it has benefited from that as well.
0: That's right. That's right. You know, I decided early on that if I'm going to be in a position of influence, which God has given me, that I I have to be honest about my grief so I can be honest about my hope. Yeah. And a lot of times we just give Christian talking points after death. And and those are nice. Thank you. I know that. I mean the the great news is no concern for Karen. No no concern for Karen. Jump up and down joy for what she's going through, who she's meeting, <laughs> who uh, what she's being the reward she's enjoying you can only imagine as the song oh, says <laughs> yeah you can only imagine and, and singing worthy is the lamb to the lamb in the <laughs> right there with him um,
1: but in the meantime we're here
0: well that's what I said but I'm not in heaven I'm still here her children who adored her are not uh, they're in, not in heaven her grandchildren who adored her they're not in heaven we're still here and so I decided that, you know, I, I, I've i got to be honest about the grief, and I have been able to be honest about the hope, therefore. And a Christian leader you and I both know and respect greatly said to me the other day, I went to just say hi to him. And he said, oh, Ron, I have been reading what you've been writing and, and listening to what you've been saying. And he said, I just want to tell you this. You are ministering from a much deeper well. Mm. Than ever before. Yeah. I said, thank you for that. I, but that I, doesn't mean
1: it's been easy for you. Well, I can, I told I can them, only imagine how hard it's no, been. No, I
0: said it's a very expensive well. Yeah, It costs a lot to have this well. But it is true. And you know, that when I spoke at our Warrior Leadership Summit to Native American young people from 100 different tribes uh, in June, uh, the end of June, after her home going on May 16th, and presented the gospel one night, Uh, I mean, I get to present the gospel each year there. The response from a very broken people, the public response, was overwhelming. We have never seen a response to the gospel at our conference like that. And I think it's because an open heart opens hearts. That's well said. if If we're willing to be transparent, the light has more places to shine through a broken vessel. On
1: Eagle's Wings, as you said, was birthed in your heart when you realized how desperate. Yeah, our hearts, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it, how desperate the times are in Native America. Yeah. Um, talk to me what's, what's gone on these past 20 years and what's going on right now.
0: Well, it's actually been 25 years this year. I went and visited a, I didn't go for a visit. I went to speak on a reservation 25 years ago at a radio event and... The largest report ever done on Native American young people came out that week identifying them as the most devastated adolescents in America. And I'm kind of cross-cultural youth guy my whole life. I'm like, what? And then I hear the suicide rates are three times that of the rest of the kids in America. Now I know that in many parts of America, it's seven to 10 times. I've been on the White Mountain Apache Reservation. It's 13 times the national average. In Alaska, it's 20 times the national average. This is like a raging forest fire and nobody knows. And so nobody's fighting it. That's just indicative of other issues where the rate of sexual violence against native girls is two and a half times that of the rest of the women. No no other group of women in America uh, are the victims of sexual violence like they are. The girls that we know, and we know hundreds and hundreds of them, the exception is to not be sexually abused. It is very rare to find a, a girls, and in many cases a boy, who have not been sexually abused. You know what that does to distort a whole life. Um... And so the rates of, is it any wonder the rates of alcohol and drug addiction to escape that pain are off the charts. And if somebody is listening and going, how could I not know? How could this be going on in our country? I don't know this. That's the whole point. The worst part is invisibility. It's all happening invisibly. And so they just go on dying. If those kinds of statistics, those kinds of things are happening where, where you live, where I live, where the listener right now, where you live. What would happen? The whole, the, every news agency, every government agency, it's happened. they are just die in today on reservations. It does nobody, stop you
1: in your tracks.
0: Nobody knows. So
1: uh, what, can a, what can a white guy uh, from Chicago, yeah. the south side of Chicago, <laughs> by way of New Jersey, what, what impact can you possibly have?
0: Well, I'll tell you what I realized right away I, is the way I could not have an impact was to keep doing what I, everybody had been doing pretty much in the past. See, there's the first mission field in America was Native Americans. First Bible translation was done in the Algonquin language, John Eliot, in the 1630s. And
1: then Jonathan Edwards, I know, had a ministry as well. David
0: Brainerd. There's some great names you don't know. I've read all those histories. And 400 years of trying to tell Native Americans about Jesus, 4% know Christ. Hmm. It is one of the great tragedies of the whole Great Commission. In our backyard. We've been better everywhere in the world, in our backyard. Wayne, what's happened is Native Americans are the victims of a double blindness. Satan has blinded Native Americans to Jesus and convinced them he is the white man's God because so much they've lost was taken in the name of Christianity. He has blinded American Christians to Native Americans. And consequently, the tragedy just continues to grow. Um, the... I realized that if I was going to go, what I normally do if I saw need is I'd go figure out how I could preach the gospel to them. That's not the right answer in this case, and it, I realized it was going to have to be Native Americans telling Native Americans. It has going to, to be Native young people reaching Native young people. There were hardly any Native young people who were Christians. There's no youth, basically been no youth ministry. Don't try to find a Native youth pastor. It just occurred to me early on after God broke my heart on this reservation. That it was going to, that we would have to try, maybe taking a few Native Americans out to tell Native Americans about Jesus. So Karen and I took our vacation that summer, and we took a few Native kids out and a few white kids because we didn't have enough Native kids. And two of them were teenage boys named Doug and Brad, our yep, sons. Yeah. And, and a veteran missionary said, "Ron, I never thought I'd live to see the day when Indian kids led the Indian kids to Christ." <laughs> and it was we didn't know what we were doing, but we over these years we've been to about a hundred reservations, Wayne. I'll be on 10 this summer again. We will be there with a team of about 50 Native Americans from about 30 different tribes who will come from as far away as living next to the Bering Sea in Alaska, all over northern Canada, all over the U.S., the four corners. And we will go to reservations, and they will tell their hope stories. They have lived the hopelessness. Mm -hmm. But they will come and tell about a Savior who, by the way, was a brown-skinned Mediterranean (laughs) Jew who was from a tribe whose land, he lived on land taken by other people, uh, (laughs) loved nature, loved to tell stories, died a violent death. That's a great approach. This is the reservation. I have been an eyewitness to God's glory and to my great blessing to something no one has seen that I can find in missions history, thousands of Native Americans coming to Christ, and I'm a little white guy on a bus praying. Isn't that cool? And it's Native Americans doing the whole thing.
1: Well, that's Ron Hutchcraft, as I've always known him to be, a positive and powerful force for the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Spirit of God, full of hope and trust, even in a difficult season of life. We will, of course, put a link to Ron's ministry at FirstPersonInterview.com, including information about On Eagle's Wings, reaching Native Americans with the message of Christ. When you visit FirstPersonInterview.com, please consider signing up for a free online devotional from the Far East Broadcasting Company. Every day for 30 days, a new inspiring testimony from around the world will be sent to encourage your faith and help you pray for people who have never heard the hope of Christ. There's no obligation. Sign up at FirstPersonInterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening and join us next time for First Person.